1: This is New York Game Day, presented by Sansone Auto. Discover for yourself the S in Sansone savings. Sansone Dodge Jeep Ram, Route 1 in Woodbridge, or SansoneJeep.net. Play Mohegan. Your favorite casino games are now in the palm of your hand. Visit MoheganSunCasino.com. Must be 21 or older to play. And by Corona, an official cerveza of the New York Jets.
2: Welcome in, welcome in. It is New York Game Day here at 98.7 ESPN. Happy New Year to everyone. Anita Marks and Amani Toomer back from vacation. Amani, good morning. How are you?
3: Buenavides. That's a uh, happy life in, um, uh, from Costa Rica. That's what they say down there. It's great. Great vacation. a good time with the family. Missed the Game Day crew. But you know, family sometimes has to speak first. But had a great vacation. How about you, Anita? How was your um, last Manny, couple, I, I, weeks? I, I feel like you,
4: you went on your bye week before the end of the season.
3: Yeah, you know, sometimes <laughs> when uh, your wife says, Hey, we're going on vacation, you just say, Okay,
2: <laughs> happy wife.
3: That's right, that's right. Happy life. Well, we a good, a good family <laughs> vacation. It was good. It was good. And-
2: And, of course, Mike Tannenbaum uh, joins us, as always. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy New Year's to you and yours. Uh, Let's dive right into it. Let's look back before we look forward. Uh, We're going to do a deeper dive into that unfortunate Jets loss to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, But last night, the Detroit Lions... Uh, going up against the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, of course Dallas wins twenty to uh, twenty to seven twenty to seventeen. Right? Was that the final score? Twenty to nineteen, I think, was the final score. Come on, Anita, there you go. Get yourself get yourself together. I've been sitting here talking fantasy all this time, uh, and uh, and let's talk about the end of the game. Right where Dan Campbell. Uh, was going for two to seal the deal and win it, didn't want to go into overtime. And I said this earlier, just curious if you guys agree with me. Like, you know, the Detroit Lions more than likely are going to get the number two or number three seed. If this was a situation where they had to win this game in order just to get into the playoffs, I I don't know if that decision would have been made. Agree or disagree with me, Mike?
4: Um, No, I know Dan. I work with Dan in Miami. That's who he is. Um, We could spend three hours on the end of this game. I mean, Anita, even before we get to this, I don't know how Mike McCarthy could walk into that locker room and look at any of the defensive coaches or players. It's second and 14, Detroit's out of timeouts. 100% of the coaches in America from Pop Warner to junior high to high school, junior college, any division, one, two, or three college coach and 31 other pro coaches would have run the ball there. Mike McCarthy said to Dan Campbell, I'm going to give you 40 seconds additional to play when Dak Prescott launched the ball 10 yards out of bounds it's inconceivable that happened no i agree it's yeah
2: agreed agree it, it, it's just to, you but know, it's, but that's mike mccarthy right despite it's, your coach <laughs>
3: <laughs> i've been on many you know he started he started locker he, rooms. go ahead
2: but this, this is the criticism right this is the criticism about mike mccarthy right he loves to throw the football
4: Yeah. It's one thing to love the football. I mean, that was gross malpractice. I mean, I can't, there's not enough words to describe how bad a decision is. It's awful.
2: I I agree with you. And I I, I thought it was comical at some, at, at one point in time, this season folks were actually talking about Mike McCarthy winning coach of the year. And I'm like, are you like, what are you? Are you nuts? Um, so I, I, like, I just have never really been a huge fan of him as a head coach. And then, of course, now that he's taken over the play-calling duties. Nonetheless, really, the big story here, guys, is that this is a Dallas Cowboys team that has already, we've already seen the previous two games can't win on the road. And then to have it come this close with the Detroit Lions team played with a lot of physicality last night. At the end of the day, I just said, Detroit Lions, they're either going to end up in the two or the three seed in the NFC. The Cowboys more than likely are going to end up as the five, and they're going to have to travel and take on whoever wins the NFC South, which I've got the, the Bucks. I'm sure, you know, it could be the Bucks, It could be Atlanta. It could be the Saints. Regardless, um, you know, Amani, let's go here with you. Based on what you've seen from this Dallas Cowboys team, do you trust them? On the road, week one of the playoffs with with any one of those uh, AFC South teams.
3: I think I trust them versus any of those any one of those AFC South teams, especially um, if if Atlanta were to go through. I just I don't trust Atlanta. Um, uh, I, I I like the the Bucks a lot more, um, so I, I just believe that the, the at the end of the day, you know when they're going up against Detroit that was one of the upper echelon teams when you look at the the winner of the NFC South it's not going to be one of those upper echelon teams it's going to be a team that scraps its way into the playoffs and finds a spot but when they go up against the you know the elite ones which are the Cowboys the um the Niners um you know those are, those are the kind of the team, the Eagles, excuse me, those are the teams that are really the ones that the Cowboys are kind of punching up at. Right now, you know, they're, I think they're established as like the, the fourth best team in the NFC. And I think that in the playoffs, it'll, they'll, go, they'll do well against those teams. But when they, when they match up against the Eagles, the Niners, that's when um, everything gets shaken out, in my opinion.
4: Hey, by by the way, I don't know if you guys have sports. Uh, uh, Well, um, look, I I think Detroit's going to be hard to beat, just like the way they play on the road, like they did last night. I I think Dallas is still really, really good. Look, they were undefeated at home. Like, that's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Just one other quick related uh, discussion, Anita, from last night. You know, they have these officials speak after the game. It's the dumbest thing they can do because – this poor Brad Allen, he must be, and he may be a, a great human being, guys, but like their explanations afterwards are, are, are like, they're illogical. Like, like, he's saying that number 68, Tyler Taylor Decker, didn't report, but on video, you see number 68 walking you up see him? to Brad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, like, Brad Allen <laughs> should just say, We made a mistake. Instead, he's trying to explain the rule and he's the one that got it wrong. Like, why do they
3: have officials speak after the game? It just makes it worse. Yeah, well, I, I could say the same. Why do they make players and coaches speak after the game? Because sometimes their explanations are just as bad. I just feel like everybody on the field should be accountable. Like, and and if they're wrong, let them tell everybody and have us talk about how wrong they are. I love it. <laughs> and my dad was an official. He grew I, He was in the Pac. He was in the Pac-10 when it was the Pac-10, and we used to go to a lot of games. I know a lot of the officials that are that play that. Um, you know, a lot of times I'd be playing games, and the officials would be like, "I was at your house," because my dad will host a lot of these um, these Pac-10 meetings. So I, I have respect for re- referees, but why are we letting them off? Everybody else on the field is accountable, and if they have bad answers, then it'll expose them for what they for what a lot of people already are to uh, to know is that they're not as capable in some in some instances they make mistakes just like everybody else and uh, i think they should be called out for their mistakes just like uh just like the players and the coaches
2: you know here here's one thing i talked about earlier on the show mike and and i would love for for you guys to um to chime in on this and that is you know a lot of these reps this is a second job for them a lot of them are accountants dentists attorneys you know they go back to their homes and their jobs their main jobs and then this is what they do as a side job on the weekend with, with so much writing on the officiating and, and how the officiating dictates so many outcomes in the NFL, why aren't they full-time employees? Why aren't they, and, and, and then, you know, spending the time uh, honing their craft and getting better at what they do, as opposed to going home and cleaning somebody's teeth or doing somebody's taxes. What, what, what's up with that, Mike? This is a, a 12 to, you know, God knows what, are, $15 billion now the NFL yep. is making? Why, yeah, don't no, they, why, don't, why don't they, why don't they have, why don't they have it? Why don't they employ officials? What, what what's the problem here?
4: Yeah. You know, that's brought, been brought up countless times over the years and, and the pushback is, you know, this is a job that's, you know, whatever it's, you know, a day a week and um, they know the rules and um, what, what else are they going to do? You know, the other six days of the week when they're at home. Um, I think to Amani's point, Um, I think there is accountability in terms of, I don't think we're going to see Brad Allen's crew, you know, officiating a playoff game. My point is like when they speak after the game, Mm -hmm. it's just nonsensical. Like at least like Mike McCarthy, like he's getting eviscerated for, you know, not running the ball there. It is what it is. Like there's back and forth, like Brad Allen's just like reading a script that's completely, it's just telling you what the rule is, but that's not what happened. Like, you could see that Taylor Decker like walked up to Brad Allen. Like it, it's just, um, I don't know. I think it's just it makes a bad situation worse. Yeah. No, but at the, I think at the end of
2: at the, go end of the go, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Money.
3: No, I was gonna say at the end of the day, you know, when players talk, sometimes they say stuff that doesn't make sense, or when the coaches say stuff that doesn't make sense, they get called out on it. And so if these referees, you know, if these referees are making these game winning decisions. Game lose win or lose decisions where people's livelihoods are on the line, uh, they should be a, have to face the music for their bad calls just like everybody else. I know it makes it worse, but it actually it lends some accountability, and maybe these referees are going to get better at um, you know are going to get better at having like their debrief, better at speaking so that. We at the audience gets the explanation because I feel like if you spend so much time as we do, as some of our fans do on the NFL, and then some part-time guy who is not held to account, it's just a bad look for the league. I think they, I think they should be part-time because I feel like um, there is a lot of downtime for referees, even though they put in an extreme amount of work, and for them to get to where they are, they have to be at an incredible level um, in. Through high school, college, and, and to make it into the pros, it's it's a very select crew, and you got to give them re- their respect. But I think you should add on to them. They should have to, you know, be able to speak and and defend their work just like everybody else. And if they make a mistake, they make a mistake, and they are held accountable by the league. I get that, um, Mike. But the 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 audience, the 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 fans, they need their pound of flesh. They need people to understand that the referees are on the line just like the uh, – because I, I think it, it's kind of – when you see a referee and they make a mistake and they give you those reports during the uh, during like, like Tuesday or Wednesday to the teams when they apologize and whatnot, I, I just feel like that's not good enough because I don't want just an apology. I want the, this referee will not be working here. This referee is going to take a week or two off because of this mistake that cost – because everybody else it seems like has way more at stake than these referees do. Oh, you don't work a playoff game. That's great, but still, you know, the the team that lost because of that could have not go not go to a playoff game and the coach could get fired because of that. So, I don't know. I just don't think I think they need to be held to more account publicly.
2: Guys, we we've we've got some sound from last night. Let's first listen in. This is Taylor Decker again, number 68, who said that he did report uh, meanwhile the refs said that he did not. Let's listen in.
0: I mean all I really wanna say on it just so I don't get myself into trouble is I mean I did exactly what coach told me to do and uh, went to the ref set report and uh yeah, I don't know. And you know, it was my understanding too that, you know, Dan brings up the possibility of those sorts of plays pre you So I did it did what I was told to do did how we did it in practice all week and uh, I mean that's probably all I'm really uh, gonna touch on with that. It looked like Jared did tell you to go over there and you and were all over there. Just, you know, yeah, I mean there's not much more I can add to it. I mean there's
2: See the video of it. So, um so again he's claiming that he did report and of course as Mike Tannenbaum pointed out, if you go back and you look at uh, the replay of, of him walking up, he, he did report. Now who who's the who was the ref again? I'm sorry, Tom? Brad Allen. That we have this Brad Allen. So here's Brad Allen I- explaining what happened post game. Uh, we we actually don't have Brad Allen sound. That was only made to a media scrum. We do have Dan Campbell though talking about that decision to go for two.
4: I told the offense that we were we were going down 141 left. We're going to go down to score, and then we're going to go for two and finish this game out. I told them that, and so that's what we were doing.
2: And then we've also got this from Dan Campbell with a reporter. He explains necessarily what he was frustrated with after the game.
0: We can see the frustration in your face. Can you just explain where it comes from right now?
4: Is it
2: the oh, what Would you be fr- would you be frustrated right now? Mean, is it on the call? Is it
0: on the execution? Is it, you know,
4: what, what is I don't why? like losing, Dave, and that's what happened. We lost. And that bothers me, you know? It bothers me. I don't like having an L. That's the frustration. I'm sorry. I don't mean it at you. Hey, hey, Anita? Mm-hmm. Can I just say something? Like, look, I'm not perfect on the air. I've made my fair share of mistakes. But for a reporter to say, like, hey, what are you frustrated about? I wish Dan Campbell was said, I was really disappointed in the gift I got for my wife from Christmas. You know, I was a really like, Are you freaking kidding me?
3: Yeah.
4: On national TV, they beat the Dallas Cowboys because his player correctly reported and the referee. What in the world do you think he would be frustrated by?
2: At the end of the day, I, I will say this. Um both these teams are making it to the postseason. I, I, I think I think this I think there would be more up in arms. Um I think things would be more up in arms if, of course, uh, one of these teams, this result uh, would have, you know... uh the the results of this game would have resulted in one of these teams not making it to the postseason not that it makes it even any easier or an easier pill to swallow regardless but both these teams we know are advancing to the postseason chances are the Detroit Lions not going to get the number one seed because I do not see the Eagles or the 49ers losing the next two weeks 800-919-3776 you want to get on the discussion you can now also we're going to switch gears here Uh, we've got a game today and that's the Giants going up against the Rams talk about a team trying to make it to the the postseason not only make it to the postseason season but possibly be a six seed as opposed to a seven seed in the nfc and that's the rams uh talk about a team that's 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 cooking with with gas right now they are firing on all cylinders
0: this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
5: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.
1: Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Tumor, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks.
2: By the way, New York Game Day brought to you by Bud Light. Sunday's tour, loading Bud Light in the fridge. It's football time. Bud Light, easy to enjoy. Bud Light, the official beer of the NFL, so make sure you enjoy responsibly. Also, this portion of the show brought to you by Coach USA. Make your commute to the city easy on a Coach USA bus. For schedules and fares, go to CoachUSA.com or download the Coach USA uh, app to buy, store, and scan your tickets. Also, some news Coming out, uh, we've got Tom and Joe who are producing the show. Joe told me in the break, it is confirmed. Mostert is out. So Waddle's out, Mostert out. two is banged up. Uh, a little bit later on the show, we're going to do a deeper dive into that Ravens-Miami Dolphins matchup. So stay tuned for that. But uh, gentlemen, let's talk about this Giants matchup. They're rolling with Tyrod Taylor. First things first, uh, Amani, let me go to you because uh, you're part of the broadcast team for the Giants. Surprise that they're going back to Tyrod Taylor? We know what time it is with him. This is still a, a larger sample size. For the Giants, to decide what they might or might not do with uh, uh, Tommy DeVito. Are, are you surprised with this decision?
3: I am a little surprised that they went back to uh, to Tyrod, even though there was you know it, going into the second half, the Giants had only scored three points, and that that's when the decision was made against the Eagles. But I, I just felt like um, it, it was a very strange decision to me because everybody's talking about Tommy DeVito and how. You could possibly get a steal if he ends up developing into a guy. You know what you have with uh, with Tyrod Taylor. I understand you want to beat the Eagles by any stri- by any means necessary, uh, but uh, I, I just feel like it was a um, like totally from a ten thousand square uh, view down, right? It just it's just. Doesn't make much sense. And I'd love to ask Mike Tannenbaum what he thought about this decision because it's a head-scratcher for me because there's no consistency because now it's like when you look at the games against the Saints when Tyrod Taylor could have been back, you think if we'd have put in – he could have been back that game, right? Wasn't he on the roster and just sitting on behind Tommy DeVito? Yeah, Yeah, so then – so then, what happens if, like, well, then would we have beat, would the Giants have beaten the Saints and still been in playoff cont- contention if Tommy DeVito didn't play that game?
4: Yeah, it's a totally fair point. It seems like they've gone back and forth a number of times between DeVito and Taylor. And I think the one thing Tyrod gives you, Manny, you, you know this from how he, he could get the ball down the field. And look, Tommy DeVito has exceeded expectations by by all accounts because basically there were none, but. I mean, he's played okay, not great, and I think they were looking for a spark. To, to your point, Imani, a little surprised this week that maybe they didn't start, you know, Devito again and say, "Hey, we'll bring Taylor off the bench." But you know, at this rate, it's somewhat academic. You know, they need two new quarterbacks next year. We all know that. Um, and you know, to me, like Tyrod and Tommy Devito in a perfect world, they're really like number threes at this point mm. and they have to go get two new quarterbacks. And I think everyone realizes that, and it should be a really interesting off season.
2: Um, wow. you know, another thing, and I, I'm not saying like, I hate to use the word tank. Right. But like, you know, at this stage in the game right now, if the season was to end today, the giants are in the top five in regard to getting a draft a draft pick. Mm. Um, so not that you, not that a coach or, or a general manager walks into a locker room and says, all right, guys, let's lose. We really need to focus on getting that top draft pick. No, but we see teams out there not necessarily start their best players, put certain player players on, on IR or inactivate them because they've got a hamstring issue. Wink, wink. Like we've seen that before. It, it's evident that Dable wants to win. And, and the draft pick is, is not a, a, a major priority is that surprising well what would you say the percentage of general managers feel that way that they that at this stage in the game really not playing to get in absolutely not playing to get into the postseason that that would that would come in with this philosophy mike where hey winning is more important than getting a top five draft pick especially for a team that that might be in the market for a future quarterback
4: yeah well you know that's the bifurcation between the front office and the coaching staff you know the- you want to go win every game and obviously in the front office you want to win every game too but in the back of your mind of course you're, you're you're looking at draft position and that's why you know uh 10 15 years ago the nba went to the lottery system but brian dayball absolutely is going to try to win every game and again the front office wouldn't be upset if they win but of course you're thinking about you know does this cost us jalen daniels or drake may or you know or whomever so um that's just sort of the dichotomy of this time of year and what we'll, we will see upsets you know maybe it's arizona over philly i think that game's gonna be really really close i could see carolina today beating jacksonville with no trevor lawrence like we're gonna if we're the three of us are talking tonight i promise you we're gonna see some upside down results today
3: yeah because now you have diverging um goals right like yep. you have teams in the playoffs that are just trying to get healthy and you have teams that are, are trying for any semblance of relevance of, uh, of saving their season. And what better way to save your season than against one of these whale teams, the teams that are going to the playoffs, already have their seed locked up. The, 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 the wins don't mean as much to them. There's one thing about playing for seeding, which never really excited anybody. But playing for relevance and playing so that your coaching staff, your general manager, can keep his job, so that you can stay on the team. Because more often than not, when new general managers come in, so do new players. You don't know if you know the thing about the NFL is like you could be a great player on seven different teams, but then also you could be uh, kicked off of seven other teams just because of your body style, because of your style of play, and that every every player has to be. You know, there are a few players that can play in any kind of offense and do it and succeed anywhere, but the majority of players in the NFL have to be in a system that, that suits their skills, or are they going to be an average player lost uh, and, and expendable? So that's why players play, not for their coach. I don't know one player that played for a coach. Everybody plays for stability, and when you lose a lot of games, stability becomes a, a really, really big issue in that locker room.
2: 800-919-3776, New York Game Day on 98.70 SPN, brought to you by Bud Light, the official beer of the NFL. So make sure you enjoy responsibly. We still have a lot more coming your way. Uh, guys, uh, let's, let's dive into, of course, uh, that unfortunate Jets loss to the Browns. We'll have Amani's keys to the game coming your way at 845. What do the Giants need to do to potentially um, upset the apple cart for the Rams? The Rams uh, making a really... Uh, big effort to make it into the postseason, possibly the 7th seed, possibly the 6th seed in the NFC. Also, coming up the second hour, we're going to hear from Rich Semini as he talks about the Jets, what now moving forward. Uh, also, uh, we'll hear from Jordan Renan, as well as DeMarco Farr, former Ram, who was kind enough to join me and uh, Bart Scott this week. I was filling in for Alan Hahn. So, great to hear from DeMarco Farr. He gives us some insight on why and how the Rams are... Uh... <laughs>
0: Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
1: Now, back to New York game day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks.
2: Uh, Gentlemen, before we go out to the calls, let's look back before we look forward. And unfortunately, uh, this is a Jets team that lost to uh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but really 37 to 20. But really the story here is uh, uh, another week of Joe Flacco, 309 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Mm. I, I I believe he's, he's deserving of winning comeback player of the year. I know it's, it's, it's a, it's a controversial uh, debate to have because Hanlon, you know, all that took place last year, the fact that, you know, his heart stopped beating on the field for the Buffalo bills. He's come in, he's played two snaps for the Buffalo bills in two separate games. Um, and an amazing feat not to take anything. I mean, just absolutely amazing. But to me, I think Joe Flacco is more deserving. You're talking about a guy who was sitting on the couch making peanut butter jelly sandwiches for his kids and taking them to, to Pop Warner and soccer and ballet, uh, called the Jets. Jets said, thank you, no thank you. Got the call, went and auditioned for the Browns. They said, okay, and now look, this is a Browns team. Not only have they made it to the postseason because of Joe Flacco and what he's been able to do offensively, but... Believe it or not, they still have an opportunity of getting the, the number one seed, depending on what happens with the Ravens in the Miami game. So, um, just unbelievable. Mike, let's go to you. Your thoughts on this Browns team? Is this is this a team that you do not want to face in the postseason?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the comeback player of the year is sort of interesting, but the more interesting conversation to me is: is it your starter on opening day next year? Ooh. I'm hard pressed to say why. Why not? Tell tell me a period of time that. Apples to apples. $250
2: million. Why not?
4: Yeah. Well, are are we, are we in the business of paying players? Are we in the business of winning games? So when you guarantee them, you pay them. I mean, but, but hard stop. Yeah. Hard stop. Who, who, who has played better as a Cleveland Bar? We got to go by what we see. Okay.
2: Well, he, he fits Stefanski system better than, than, than Watson does. Right. Don't you agree with that?
4: Um, look, Deshaun Watson should be able to play in any system. Like, he once mm. was a really good player, and by the way, this is a cautionary note to the New York Jets. Like Deshaun Watson was never the same player after sitting out as long as he did. Mm. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be
3: either. a
4: lot to a lot to unpack there. A lot Daniel, to
2: unpack all guys there. Played, uh,
3: haven't played for a long time. Football is a reflex game. Yeah, absolutely, I, I agree with you. But man, I, I am such a big Deshaun Watson fan. On the field, on the field, on the field, Anita. Uh, I feel like he is a guy that took that Houston franchise and made them into something, into a competitive team when he had nothing around him, and that to me is the ultimate, ultimate litmus test for how good a quarterback is. So I felt like it would be a home run for him in Cleveland. And I mean, I have a family that lives in Cleveland, and they were very skeptical about Deshaun by, because of the money that they gave him. And I think a lot of people are not have not gotten over the fact that he makes so much money and it's all guaranteed, guess what? The owners, every single owner's contract, TV deal, guaranteed. Every single coach, head coach, guaranteed. Why is it that when you start guaranteeing players, the fans get all up in arms? Do you know that the, the owners are the ones that are signing the checks? Like, you, people, I think when people look at how much players get, there's a guy... Who's looking at that contract and says yes or no? Who, by rule, this league you cannot. You're going to make at least fifty million dollars because you're going to get a three hundred million dollar, uh, three hundred million dollars to the organization, just for being an organization. And then the the salary cap is what $212, two hundred and twelve, two hundred twenty maybe. I, I don't know what it is now. So you're baking in, you know, almost seventy five million dollars, right? Why do Fans care about players making the money that they do when they're as a guy stroking checks, saying, "Oh, man, only only four, only two hundred and fifty guaranteed, no problem," because they know the economics of it. And I, I just, I don't I never could understand that and why he's getting backlash for being a good businessman.
4: Yeah, I don't think it's backlash, Imani. I see it totally different. I just go by what I see. Like if we were running the Cleveland Browns and our job was on the line, you know, to support your exotic and expensive lifestyle to take trips to costa rica in the middle of the season hypothetically <laughs> who, who, who 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 would you who would you put your money on i mean joe flacco hard stop has outplayed deshaun watson look i think the contract is absurd like everybody else but who plays at the end of the day like money you know this better than anybody like mm-hmm. locker room is the ultimate meritocracy at my point you know anita brought up comeback player of the year i'm saying like if we're sitting here in September of 2024, to me, Joe Flacco deserves to be the
3: starter. And candidly, I don't even think it's close. But but Mike, like, uh, okay, so he's having a hot streak, right? Do you think that at the end of their careers, they're going to even be in the same stratosphere? Like, I, I maybe I'm just totally
2: well, you know, looking at Deshaun
3: Watson as somebody so. that I feel like... You can't go off a of result. you got to go off of the player, right? The player... Is a, he's a much better player than Joe Flacco. What happened when he, Joe Flacco he, goes back to was, being Joe Flacco?
4: But Amani, he I, I not don't,
2: I don't, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I don't, see, that, I don't see the quarterback we saw in, in Houston. Yeah, in, Amani, yeah.
4: w- w- where's that player been the last two years? Like, well, first sh- of all, sh- he sh-
3: took a year off, like you said. Second of all, he's been injured the m- majority of this year. I don't know why I'm being the – now I'm all of a sudden the Deshaun Watson defender. <laughs> but all I'm saying <laughs> is like he has like – the, the, when he was the healthiest, he's played his best. When he was injured with his shoulder and he could barely throw the football, he struggled. But I'm just saying that at the end of the day, when the cream rises to the top, yes, if you take a snapshot right now, Joe Flacco was playing very good football, right? I understand that. But are you going to bank your career on a guy who everybody passed over for a long time or a first-round draft pick who won Super Bowl – no, national championships at Clemson who's done amazing work getting that team in uh Houston to the playoffs for the last couple of years are you going to bet that he's going to get back to where he was a young much younger player or are you going to bet on the old Flacco who played for the Jets last year and they called them and he said they said nah right. like that's okay. a team, that's a team that had him in the locker room right I
4: totally get that but yeah. let, let's just look at the Sean Watson in 2020 he had an incredible season, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 4,800 yards. Mm-hmm. 2021, didn't play. Mm-hmm. 2022, played in six games, had seven touchdowns, five interceptions. Mm-hmm. 2023, played in six games, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. So when he lines up as a 29-year-old, he turns 29 next September, in gotcha. September 14th, as a 29-year-old who hasn't played – Good football since 2020. That'd be five years. Mm-hmm. Five years since he had played. Gotcha. Um, so that's my point, which okay. is go like, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. The, does Joe Flacco? You know, like I, I just I understand the contract, but it's been so long since Deshaun Watson's played at that level.
3: When is Joe Flacco? Like, okay, let's do the same logic on when Joe Flacco has played well.
2: Yeah, but uh, right but now, again. No, okay, uh, yeah for, and, and for before
3: but, right now before right now because yeah but this but, but, happen, but
2: again just, but okay let me just because I don't want to sit here and spend our entire show talking about Joe Flacco uh, my and and I, I agree I, I agree with you listen at the end of the day is Deshaun Watson a better quarterback yes but does this system fit Joe Flacco in my opinion does this system Stefanski the way that they operate fit Joe Flacco better than Deshaun Watson yes um I think so. I, well, I, listen. Proofs in the pudding, though. Look, look at what's proofs happening. Proofs in
3: the pudding. Like, Joe Flacco. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson many, did not operate did, as, did not, But even when he, but
2: year. even when he was healthy, Deshaun Watson did not operate the Cleveland Browns offense like this. He yeah, did not.
3: I, I just think it, it's it's recency recency bias because when Joe Flacco becomes Joe Flacco again, then then you're going to see like he he's a he was a great quarterback for the for the for the Baltimore Ravens took him to a Super Bowl, unbelievable. No question about it, I think he's one of the better quarterbacks of, of his generation. But his generation's over. The guy's 36 years old. Like, how are you going to sit here and say, a 36-year-old is going to be better at 30, oh, sorry, excuse me. Let me, let me. I, I gave him to, I, I took off two years. He's 38 years old. So you're going to tell me that a 38-year-old quarterback is going to, you're going you're to start him and bench a 29-year-old quarterback because he's, he's struggled since he's come over. I think w- you look at these two quarterbacks, who has more? First of all, the contract says he's going to start anyway, regardless of what we're talking about here. Yeah. But it, wh- what should have, would have, could have happened, this guy's 38 years old. He's going to be 39 next year, and you're telling me that he should be the starter next year? He's 39. Like I, Look, I, I, I get all the story about Joe Flacco, and I love the story. I'm a big fan of Joe Flacco. But let's be real here. You're going to bench a 29-year quarterback who you owe guaranteed, guaranteed money because this guy has a couple good games? I mean, uh, look, it's a great story, but the reality of the NFL, the business of it is this doesn't make any sense whatsoever.
1: Now, back to New York game day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Get ready for Amani's Keys to Victory.
2: That's right. It's time for Amani's Keys to Victory, brought to you by Infinity.com. Amani, what are the two or three things that you think that the uh, Giants need to do to uh, upset the apple cart? Uh, for the Rams
3: I think first of all this is going to be a Wink Martindale um, he is going to have to put up one of his better game plans because this offense is playing downhill Matthew Stafford is, since the bye week has just been on a terror been one of the better quarterbacks in the league for a long period of time and now he's starting the cream is starting to rise to the top the Giants need to figure out a way not only to stop uh, Cooper Cup not only to stop Puka Nakua but Demarcus Robinson He's a guy who's caught a young player um, uh, who has caught four touchdowns in four straight games, and this defense, led by Bobby Okereke and Xavier McKinney, are going to have to play their best game of the season. Create turnovers. I just don't see this offense being able to – Go the length of the the Giants' offense, being able to go the length of the field. This team is going to have to win this game on defense by giving short fields, by creating uh, situations advantageous for this offense to to really come through. Um, and then you know, they're, they're, the Giants are all on defense are also going to have to stop uh, uh, Karen William uh, Williams, the the running back, one of the uh, who is. Uh, who, who's just been a, a terror uh, running the football this year? Uh, he has five 100 yard performances in the last seven games. Um, he already has 1,000 yards, the last uh, running back for the Rams to have over 1,000 yards since Todd Gurley in 2018. Uh, that's, that to me is where this game is going to be won. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is going to give, I think, the Giants a better opportunity to win. Um, but they're going to have to – Tyrod Taylor is going to have to find uh, Darius Slayton down the field and make with some big plays. Uh, and, and those are the – and then also Saquon Barkley is going to have to get on track. This guy is 123 yards away from uh, getting 1,000 yards. He's got two games to do it. Uh, the way his season has been so up and down in terms of some weeks he has big games, some weeks he's, you know, under three yards – Per carry, this is a guy that you, you, everybody wants on the Giants. I still don't feel like he's been utilized to, his, to the fullest ability of his talents. And for the next couple of weeks, if the Giants are gonna pull off any type of upset versus the Rams or against next week against the Philadelphia Eagles, Saquon Barkley and this defense is gonna to have to play a huge role in, in the victories
2: um interesting i'm sure that there's some incentive dollars there for him to reach a thousand yards that's for sure also talk about um records being broke puka nakua is Mm. 146 yards away from beating bill groman's rookie season record of 1473 receiving yards last week 11 targets 164 yards well not if he not if he does it this week not if he, he put a Okay, timeout. He put up 164 yards last week.
3: He has not a ninety three receptions for a thirteen hundred and twenty. That's just five touchdowns. Ninety six receptions, excuse me. Wow. So that's he's
2: incredible. he's getting he's getting thirty percent of the of the team targets and um and and he is even targeted more. He's got more receiving yards against teams that blitz. And of course we know that's what Wink Martindale likes to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um you know, he's got he's got two weeks to surpass that total. Who knows? Maybe they really go after it this week, like you said, because seventeen games as opposed to sixteen games as opposed to seventeen games, we'll see. And the rule the o- changes. The over under of uh, <laughs> the over under of receiving yards uh for him today is sixty nine and a half. By the way, this is my best bet uh later on this morning on uh on oh, ESPN. Bearing bet the lead? Okay. Is is over sixty nine and a half receiving yards. Uh, you you know Sean McVay. you know this team. I think they're gonna go for it. Um and oh, so they have I, to. I think I think I think Puka is going to get heavily targeted. Uh, Amani's keys to victory brought to you by infinity.com. Discover more about the luxury and performance of an Infinity QX60 crossover at infinityusa.com. Visit your local Infinity dealer today. Um let's head out to our calls. Like I said we've got quite a few um uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Ira in Staten Island. Ira, welcome in.
6: Hey, happy new year everybody. What's and, up, Ira, you know Hey, how are you? All the best and uh, a healthy and happy New Year. You, you know, it's amazing to talk about the Flacco situation. Mm-hmm. You know who goes unsung and nobody talks about him? Probably most fans don't even know about him. I know Mike and the three of you are all aware of him. Bill Callahan is probably one of the best coaches in the NFL. And the Browns are a carbon copy of the Jets. I think the Jets probably have a little better all-around uh, roster talent. But they, the Browns had the same adversity that the Jets did. They lost multiple quarterbacks, multiple offensive linemen. They lost their star running back, blah, 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 blah. All this comes down to is coaching. And with a good, competent coaching staff, they figure out a way to win games, and the Browns are on their way to the playoffs. The Jets, with, uh, I'm a very concerned, don't believe in this coaching staff because they haven't proven anything yet to me. Had the same situation, same adversity, and they're on their way to another debacle of a season. And that's the difference. It's all about coaching. The talent in the NFL, you have your stars, you have your mediocre players, but across the board, they're all God-gifted talent NFL players. It's the coaching staff that makes the difference, and the Jets don't have it.
3: Oh, well, I would, well agree, I would agree with you 100% if the Jets had Miles Garrett, but they don't. And they don't have anybody that's even close to being the outside pass rusher that Miles Garrett is. Other than that, I, could, I can go with your argument. But you know what? You know, somebody once told me um, nobody's ever won the Kentucky Derby on a donkey. You need the horses. And what happens is the Jets' the horses don't stack up against the horses of the Cleveland Browns, no
4: on matter of- what.
2: Oh, on top this of, of the just sec-
4: wait, wait, but one second. So, just to Iris' point, so Miles Garrett's a great player, right? Mm-hmm. To- totally agree. Yeah. You know, we could talk about how good Quillian Williams is is he an A or b But the fact to go on, I work with Bill Callahan, yeah. and you're missing Jedrick Willis, Jack Conklin, Dewan Jones, Grant Delpit, Nick Chubb, and they didn't have a, 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 a Murray Cooper. Yeah. So and both teams are on their fourth quarterback. So yeah. unless, Miles Garrett must be Superman because, I mean, look at all the injuries that the Cleveland Browns overcame. Mm-hmm.
2: And really quick, the, the point that I wanted to make is, um you know, Nathaniel Hackett, this isn't, you know, he, he came in to be Aaron Rodgers' do-boy. He didn't come in to implement a system that's going to best accentuate whatever backup quarterbacks here. I'm, I'm not a big believer in Nathaniel Hackett, so that's the difference there. By the way, uh, game day here brought to you by Bud Light. Sunday's chore: loading Bud Light in the fridge. It's football time. Bud Light, easy to enjoy. Bud Light is the official beer of the NFL, so make sure you enjoy responsibly. Quick break, we come back, and uh, we're going to hear from Rich Samini. Take a look back to that Jets-Browns game and what is in store for the Jets moving forward next here on 98.7 ESPN.